it's episode 34. Maché Counts is a genius host, charismatic, funny, brilliant, and full of positive energy. Maché is a TV and radio presenter, producer, and MC. We discuss how to engage an online audience and how to make your online events rock. Enjoy the episode. Thanks for being a fab listener, and please subscribe and tell your friends. Welcome to the Johnny Ross Audio Experience. I'm Johnny Ross, founder and digital marketing strategist of Fleet Marketing. Each podcast, I'll be bringing you an expert to inspire you, to give you some great business growth takeaways, and to get you thinking about marketing and the bigger picture of how businesses can improve, adapt, and grow. I look forward to sharing this with you on each podcast. So here we go. Hi, and welcome to another live Q&A. I've got uh, Maciej Counts with us from, uh, he's in Poland. How are you, Maciej? I'm good. It's sunny, uh, but it's not warm. I, I'd say in between five and 10 degrees today. How is uh, the UK? Also, we're a bit more. I think we may be sort of 12, 13. Okay. We're, and we're, we're, today. we're saying goodbye to the winter. <laughs> and I'm and I'm glad to see you in another season because the first one we saw each other that was a real winter. Yeah, we certainly did. Uh, you're you're right. And and what I'm loving is the blossom on the trees. Haven't had the time to smell the roses, if you know <laughs> what I mean. But I, I will eventually get there. <laughs> Um, so uh, welcome everyone if you're listening welcome if you're watching uh, we're live on LinkedIn we're live on YouTube we're live in the Facebook group the Yorkshire Business Club and um, if you're listening on the podcast then it's great to have you here thanks for joining us uh, today uh, we're going to be discussing how to be an amazing host uh, whether that be in the real world hybrid or virtual um, we're going to tap into Maché's uh, experience so uh, Maché's been uh, worked in TV worked in radio uh, and uh, and also uh, is an MC on many different events uh, I think uh, Maché is just uh, sharing this on LinkedIn live right now you're we right just, we were just talking about um, uh, you're doing some stuff on LinkedIn live you you'd, you'd quite like to have a play with that wouldn't you I really do. And to be honest, I, I haven't been really regarded by LinkedIn as someone worthy of uh, broadcasting. And so I don't know how many of you and, and you might actually want to share your thoughts in, in the comments section here on LinkedIn or maybe on Facebook, but they, they never really let me stream live. And so I'm so envious of Mr. Johnny. I think I, think I was just very lucky. <laughs> it's the it's, Maybe it, it must be it, it must be the amazing guests that's what it must be <laughs> yeah and, and, and i'm and i'm glad that you're alive and that we're alive I, I feel like this kind of a format will will be needed and and i've seen some of the conversations you've had so that was very helpful i know that you like to speak about marketing about events about the online world you're so knowledgeable about social media platforms. Uh, well, you know, I'm saying all of those things because I actually used to introduce you on an event as an <laughs> MC. So that's how, how it all began, right? 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, and you were an amazing host back then. Um, uh, and that that was a that was a great event. Yeah, I mean that's the interesting thing, isn't it? There's so many different formats that you can do these in, whether it be pre-recorded or live or uh, you know a hybrid style. Um, and um, and what I find there's there's sort of a um, uh, quite a debate around whether to do this live or not. What I find is that live puts us in that frame of mind where we've just got to deliver um uh but at the same time you know i can see how doing some kind of recording can easily be edited and you, and you can really make it polished so yeah. i don't know what what do you find what do you enjoy more Maché? wow uh, th that's a very good question and i feel like it's a constant balancing act if we talk about life uh if we talk about hybrid if we talk about recorded uh, there's a lot that goes into it. I feel like now because we're alive uh, and because people can can see us and they know that if something goes wrong, then we're just off air and, and so it goes. And sometimes we have to apologize for some technical issues, but that's the nature of it. And I feel like that, that really does help us uh, be more authentic. What I can give you uh, as an example is uh, my times uh, as a radio host. I, I would produce this radio show in English on the Polish national radio for like seven years. It's still on there, but uh, I found my successors uh, to really focus on organizing events. But what I learned there on, on the air is that if we ever did live shows, uh, they could be enthusiastic, authentic, and just whatever happened there uh, would happen. And, and we were fine with it. We would just go with the flow. But then my boss would always be really mad at me if I made some mistake in a pre-recorded show. He would be like, you had so much time to edit it, to make it perfect, to make it shine, but you still have let that little flip happen. And so I feel like if you want to, to have this pre-recorded, then there are some pros and cons. And authenticity is something that you might lose uh, the, the more takes you have of, of something. I don't know if, 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 uh, if, if it ever happened to you, Johnny, but maybe you were in front of a TV camera and, and you had your first take on something and it was quite good. But then the producer would say, okay, Johnny, can we do that again just, just in case? And sometimes the second, the third takes would be actually much worse than the original because they would be more kind of scripted. It's so true. So true. Mm -hmm. In fact, yeah, in fact, I, I sometimes sort of, you know, I might even say to myself, oh, I'm not sure about that. I'm going to do it again. And then and then the next three are terrible. And I, and, and the first one was was far better. So and I, yeah. and I don't know what that has to do. Maybe our nature that uh, if you start to think about doing something instead of just doing it, that's when things get complicated. And I feel like psychotherapists could, could probably explain a little bit uh, more of that. But sometimes when we really want to, to make it so perfect, then we actually lose it. And so that's, that's maybe my hidden advice to event planners, that if you organize an online conference uh, in, in, in this uh, era, then it, it really is great if you let it all happen naturally. And so have everybody there uh, live instead of pre-recorded. 
because our viewers can certainly see that they can hear that they they will feel it i i don't know how to describe that difference but it it's so obvious not to mention the fact that if you've pre-recorded an event then there's no way you can interact with your audience and so they have then you're not just competing with other conferences that are live at that very same moment but you're actually competing with netflix hbo and whatever else because they've got a lot of pre-recorded stuff with actors who are great at that yeah and and i think you're right you can tell because as a delegate as a as a viewer as a listener um right. i sort of get disappointed if i turn up on time to something and then find out that it's pre-recorded i sort of feel uh, a bit cheated in a way i agree uh, yeah and 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 whilst it's very polished and and it, and it all looks really good i sort of think well you could have just sent me this on a link and i could have just watched it in my own time yeah uh, and, what's and the sense then to to be right on time it could be just a vod thing right what's vod sorry that's video on demand video on demand that, that, video on demand that you just upload that that somewhere uh, yeah. as, a, as a link on vimeo or or youtube and that would be it. Absolutely. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I totally should have known the term VOD. <laughs> sure. And I, I totally it. should have known how to pronounce Vimeo. Is that, is that the Vimeo? way you... Vimeo? Uh, listen, okay. Listen, your English is very good and you don't need to apologize at all. <laughs> all right. My, Thank you, sir. I, I can't say a single word in Polish, so uh, you 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 uh, you beat me hands down. Um, <laughs> talk to me about the... Uh, so so did you, you start radio first and then TV? I did. I, I was in my uh, senior year of high school uh, when I auditioned for this academic radio station. And so it was academic, meaning that it was just for, for students of universities. So once you're like 19 years of age, but I had such a huge, uh, deep need to, to try to do something that my former idols uh, would do that I wanted to start... Uh, you know, developing my my uh, craft very soon, very early. And so I would somehow juggle between school and, and work at the radio station here in Poznań. That's the city in, in the western part of Poland. Like I'd say, just halfway between Berlin and Warsaw. And so radio was the first thing that I did. Uh, but I'd say that it, it's taken me quite some time to actually get, get used to that, to to being responsible for there not being a, a single uh, piece of silence of quiet on air because you, you know how much that's worth. And I was leaving that silence on purpose. So, I mean, you're <laughs> right. I mean, but one of the things I hear though is, is it's really important to have some silence. What, what, let's just go into that for a second. Wow, that's a great question, and I and I like that you're asking it. So, look, I've been active on air, uh, on on radio and TV for like ten or more years, much more than that. And so, it's only now that I learn, and I'm in my thirties, that I learn uh, to recognize the value of quiet, of silence on air. And, and, and only gradually do I become more comfortable with it. But I feel like for such a long time, I could not imagine that happening. It's like, if you don't feel with somebody, if you don't feel comfortable with somebody that you don't know, let's say 
you're you're on this uh, interview job interview and this recruiter is really uh letting you mm, down or maybe just having too much awkwardness between you you really feel every second of the silence so much more than you you would have with your friend of or with your partner and so i feel like it does take time to to sometimes be able to incorporate some some silence but to do it on purpose and and i don't i, I don't really feel like i'm 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 quite there how about you Yeah, I don't think I, I can necessarily do it on purpose. I think I am less afraid of it. And I think that uh that that putting space in is is really not a bad thing at all. Uh, and and there's no need to fill the gap all the time. I don't think it I think it's more authentic to actually just allow the signs to happen. And so yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm able to just uh put it there on purpose. But you probably are familiar with the fact that, unless I, I just interrupted, you're putting it on purpose. I'm sorry. I, I was wondering it. I was I was thinking about trying it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I don't know if you're familiar with that, but some speakers uh, who are not that used to speaking uh, in public, uh, to like public appearances, they get to be very fast in delivery they would be like blah, 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 you know like like just throwing words so fast as if they thought that they the sooner they finish the, the better it is for them and and only once you get some experience you you start to feel more comfortable on the stage and then probably you don't have to run so much And and what also really matters is that I think you think of your speech, what, what whenever you say that, wherever you say that, as this kind of a story that you build. And so sometimes there would be moments when when the action goes really, really fast and it's getting so exciting and everybody's waiting what's gonna come next. But then, you know, you want everybody to relax a little bit, only then to to repeat the whole thing that's how great stories are built i believe yeah i think that's uh, that sounds good one of the things that i'd really like to get to understand more is yeah. in radio i'm trying to think of um, you know because right now there's a lot of people that are thinking of doing more online events or, or even just events full stop you know as the world starts becoming hybrid again um mm -hmm just events full stop but also doing lots more video one one of the things that i'm always keen on is learning from radio and television because my understanding is that in television and radio you've got all sorts of different people around you from production to researchers um to what well, you'll be able to tell me to editors and whereas most sort of small businesses or uh or or most uh senior Uh, uh thought leaders in businesses don't have those teams uh they're thinking of you know putting on a conference or they're thinking of doing an event or, or doing something live but they don't have any of that around them so so what are the gaps that we've got and which are the really important roles that we should consider from radio and television mm -hmm. and so you're probably thinking of getting some of these roles that are known from TV or radio and then having them in in the world of events 
Well, yeah, that's the question. Are they, is that, is that what's missing? Is that what makes a good event? Having a really good researcher, having a really good editor, having a really good production assistant. Is that, is that the things that, is that, is that what makes events really work? Or is it just about having an amazing host? Of course. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, the question, Johnny. And, and the answer, I, I will just be as blunt as possible. And so I don't know how the events work in the UK or in the US, for example. I think you're much more familiar with these markets. But in Poland, I don't usually have a researcher. Not at all. Well, the, that, that's never happened, to, to be honest. I just get some materials from the organizers, if I'm lucky. Many times I, I won't get any, but I do have their website, what they've put forward for their potential customers, by which I mean the, the participants of, of an online or an offline, uh, I mean, in, in the old days conference. But many times it, it's me who does all the research. And actually, I feel very good about it. It's not that I'm, I'm trying to uh, maybe just complain about it, but actually... The, the, the work that I do with my uh, own hands is, is the, the work that I can be very sure of because I know where I found that. And it's kind of a journalistic experience uh, when preparing to a conference. And so I feel like uh, the, the years that I spent working on TV or radio would really help me in preparing for events because a, a journalist is a person who is really keen on uh, discovering the world and and not just this really small uh, topic, but but sometimes they will also build like this this map of connections, and that happens a lot. That, for example, when I'm researching a speaker at a conference, like say Johnny Ross, not only will I look uh, at the website of Spark of Change conference, and that's the one that I met you at, mm, yeah, virtually. And uh, not only will I check what the organizers wrote about you, but I also will visit all your websites that I find on Google. I will also then go to videos that feature you. That's, for example, on YouTube when you were somebody's guests or maybe you uh, on your show, just like this one, just to have a feel of what you're like to interact with. Like... Is that person the, the kind of easygoing or are they rather scripted? And I don't mean that in a negative sense, but do they like to keep things very straight? Will they be somebody who connects very easily? Or do I have to come up with a very precise question and maybe even approach them uh, a week or two before the event so that they know what kind of a, a question to expect? Obviously, that's a little bit of a, a psychological uh, thing to do uh, so that you know what to expect of that person because not always can you have this perfect feeling, instinct, uh, or intuition about that person, uh, but that's what I end up doing. And to actually finish my lengthy uh, response to your quick question, or short question. I, I just say that, uh, interestingly, I, I didn't really have a researcher on radio or on TV uh, here where I work. And, and I guess that might have to do that I, that I worked on local radio stations and local TV stations for a long time. And whereas they don't give you as much 
recognitions, recognitions, recognition, excuse me, as national media would give you, they make you do all the work that's there. So it's not just finding the person that you want to interview and then interviewing them, but also editing that and then even promoting that on social media. And then by editing, I mean you actually use Final Cut or uh, Adobe uh, Audition, for example, or uh, software like that. And so you have this comprehensive uh, learning time of all the things that a journalist could do. And so obviously that has pros and cons. Well, I think what you've done there is is made the point, which is around, okay, so maybe you didn't have a, a researcher because of local, but yeah. how important research is. And, right. I th and I think a lot of um, hosts, a lot of um, event organizers um, don't always consider how important the research is because I think it can make or break the experience of the event, would you say? Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And, and to give you just an example of how it works in this psychological effect again, if you have a guest who is a speaker at a conference, imagine what he's used to. Usually they would be used to MCs that just tell the audience what their name is. And they would be like, okay, uh, so a uh, round of applause, please, Johnny Ross. He is from Fleek Marketing. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's fine. And I, and I get that. But if you have a host that's really engaged and that would tell the audience something really interesting about that person, well, let's give an example. They would scroll your social media, uh, including LinkedIn, and they would see that you've recently been talking uh, with somebody about TikTok and how engaging that is. And then uh, Johnny would mention that 7% is the usual number of interactions that you get on Facebook and Instagram, whereas it's much bigger than that on, on TikTok. Uh, and then you approach the, the speaker and say, hey, hey Johnny, the, 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 what, what did you think of that? I, I read that post of yours and I wanted to ask you one more additional question. What's what's the feeling of that speaker? They will feel like okay, the, the the MC has researched me quite a bit, and then they probably respect me. They've also built this story of me, where I'm coming from, and and they've sort of uh, built like the estimation or the appreciation for myself. So it will be easier for me to approach the new. Uh, viewership than the new group of people watching me because they already know that I'm worthy you know it's like building this kind of appreciation for that person you're just showing off the research you've done now <laughs> I am <laughs> it's, it's, it's so true and 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 that's what I find as a as a viewer or a listener when when there's more of that rapport between the the uh, the MC or the host and, and the speakers, uh, and and I think the whole thing becomes warmer. Um, what you uh, what you do, which is so amazing, is is help uh, listeners or viewers start relating to things very quickly um, and start opening up 
to listening and, and watching um, it, uh, by sort of already teasing things out that you're already that, that you're pre-aware of um, and, uh, and and sort of get that conversation going and I think that makes a huge difference and uh, so, 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 which, so I, which I appreciate you saying because you you mentioned that that person becomes more relatable and mm. I feel like after all we want to be relatable because let's see what happens usually you would have this very renowned speaker at a conference uh, very professional about what they do. But then you just have these official names. He's the project engineering developer, and he's been uh, active with this company XYZ for 12 years, and he speaks this, this, and that language. That is piece or pieces of information, but does that really make that, hum that human being uh, relatable? And so for that reason, I would really search through all the social media platforms of that person. Obviously, uh, viewers' discretion is advised and, and the <laughs> researchers' discretion is advised. Obviously, you, you shouldn't pick up on every topic that they, that they posted there. But some of them would tell about what's important for them. And obviously, if you want to engage with people, you want to give them a, a wider uh, narrative of why this is all happening. And so if you tell what's important for that person and why they do that, and if you start with that, then they become relatable. And so you as an MC are already in their introduction working for their success. That's a really good point. I like that. Um, so starting in radio, you think about the audio side of things. And, and of course, that's made you think about, you know, just when we were starting today, you were, you, the first thing we were talking about was sound and, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, you were, you were testing the microphone, which is, which is great. When it, when you then moved to television, what was the sort of, how, how did, uh how did that change things what was the was was there then a different what was the was there a feeling going from radio to television what how did it feel going from from those and what was the sort of the big things that changed for you it it was not in the sense that i i worked for radio and then i and then i went to television leaving radio i actually would do uh this in parallel for a really long time but what I learned on uh, TV is that something that was really great on radio would not necessarily be good on TV. And that's because if you have a great story, and, and I had one uh, uh, that was from uh, Mr. Casun Pereira. Uh, he uh, would live in my hometown, but he uh, comes from Sri Lanka. And so on the show, he was able to tell me the story of... Uh, the huge natural disaster that happened uh, to Sri Lanka of a hurricane that, that really uh, changed the country profoundly. And uh, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have uh, the, the most basic uh, amenities for, for a very long time. And, and so many people uh, died. And, and so the way he told the story involved his relatives. It involved... Uh, the feeling of it, and then 
it was a great story on radio because we had some some very subtle background music that would set the tone. It was us two talking. It was very emotional. But when I tried to do the same thing on television, we realized we didn't have pictures because he would not take pictures of his family too often. And also because he's come from Sri Lanka to Poland, he didn't take all these picture albums. Uh, we also did not have the copyrights for some, some news coverage that happened on that time. And so to have that story told on TV was not easy. That's why podcasts are becoming so big. Because if you have a big story, one that's, that's really uh, emotional or, or just worthy of attention, then you don't have to worry about all these special effects and, and, if, and if your haircut looks good and if somebody doesn't have that problem of, of their uh, face uh, with, with those little things that, that show you that you didn't have makeup on, you can just concentrate on the story uh, on the radio. Whereas on TV, you have to do it much quicker because attention span somehow is much shorter and you also have to think of, okay, will there be two or maybe better, three cameras? Are you able to incorporate some special effects? Will you have some more uh, guests just to make it more you know, exciting and so on? And will you have some video feed playing at that same time when he's describing the story? So that would say, that I would say is the disadvantage of television that somehow the, the form or the shape of what you're telling is more important than the subject matter than the content itself but then television also gives you some some special recognition that radio would, wouldn't give you so, so what you're saying there is the viewer demands more when it's tv or video than they do when they're listening and i and i i get that yeah i can get that and i'm just thinking right now we are streaming we're, we're live on linkedin we're live on youtube but also this will be turned into a podcast where you can listen we don't have any special effects uh, on video we're not bringing in images we're not showing separate cuts and 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 yeah i i get that which is actually one of the reasons that i do turn them into podcasts i i as a uh viewer stroke listener prefer listening than than watching i guess um, so it's in, uh, yeah, you know, unless, unless I'm watching sort of, you know, this, this great film perhaps. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, but, no, I, get no, I think, uh, yeah, I think what you're saying is, is that the, you, the viewer has higher expectations and, uh, and I, and, and how do we turn that into what we're talking about here about, um, being great uh, in events, for example, what you're saying is, you know, you know, perhaps you need to think about having the second camera angle. Perhaps you need to think about having something, you know, a green screen playing, playing uh, some some pictures, playing some video. That's yeah. that's sort of how to take it up a step. That's what you. That's one of the things that I guess you're saying. Yeah, I I, I totally am. So uh, just one example of a difference between a, a live event and a virtual event. On a virtual event, you have to do all the great things about live events, but then much more. You have to make sure that your video is compelling, that it's attractive, that it has a few angles, just as you mentioned. Whereas 
life events and the fact that we're all here in this uh, hall or this auditorium, uh, that kind of allows you to really feel the connection with that person because he is or she is actually in front of you, very close. And there's a good chance that you will get a chance to speak to them after they're done uh, in, in the, in the uh, break. And that's great. But then in a virtual event, uh, there is so many distractions. You're not with uh, the group of people uh, that you would be on a live event. Uh, you're just on yourself in front of a computer screen. So chances are uh, you will be distracted. There are so many distractions at home and there's your family and there is uh, the cell phone and there is Netflix as well. And then uh, when it comes to uh, podcasts, which you just mentioned, I, I really love this medium because I think it, it, it takes us back to, to the days when our attention span would be longer, when we didn't have as many distractions. And there's this really good number that I've seen recently. It says that the retention rate of uh, people listening to podcasts is like 83% when they turn on uh, the podcast. So chances are 83% that once they turned it on, they will stay until the very end of it. And wow. then on YouTube, it's like 10% and on <laughs> Facebook, it's like five or even less. And so that, that kind of gives you uh, some great, uh, great um, insight, you know? I feel like uh, if you have made somebody tune in to your podcast, there are really high chances that they will stay with you. Yeah, the, the, I find that listeners are a bit more bought in and and are really wanting to invest their time into finding more out. Plus, they are yeah. they, they might be doing something else at that same time, uh, which would not have been possible with TV because yes. TV is 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 taking you in, is is making you sing in. But then you have these in uh, these all uh, distractions, just like other TV channels, whatever else. Whereas when you listen to a podcast, you're likely on a train or maybe even uh, driving your car, and then it's not that easy to switch to another channel. Uh, because you want to have your hands on the steering wheel. And then also if you, let's say, uh, clean up your apartment, uh, you will also just have your AirPods on and you don't even remember where you left your uh, cell phone. But the fact that it's playing a podcast that, it's, that, that is somehow good, you will let it stay. You will not be as, 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 uh, as uh, demanding uh, a, a listener as you would be a viewer wow that's so true i mean how often do i find myself in that position where i've got my airpods on work working around the house and and then you know maybe half an hour later where is my phone <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's great you know, <laughs> you know I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a crazy fan of of apple uh, equipment yeah. And, and and one thing, I, I don't want to have any product placement in here, but I, something that I really like is that on Apple Watch, you can actually find your cell phone because it has this feature uh, to make this notification. 
<laughs> I don't know if you can hear that one, but but I just turned it on 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 my uh, on my cell phone, which in fact I don't know where I where I left that. <laughs> Same thing. Very clever. Tell me when you are going on stage. So we talked about uh, research being really important, and we've and we've sort of covered some of the visual things. What's how do you get into the right mindset when you're going to be an MC? I mean, you know, I've seen you. I think I think you really are brilliant, and and some of the videos that I've seen, you you just uh, shared a video from Spark uh, only a few days ago, which was a brilliant behind the scenes video. Um, but how do you get in the mindset when you're going to when you're going to be a host or an MC on that stage? What 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 are the things that you do? Are there, are there any particular things that you do? Mm -hmm. So it's not that I could start my preparation just two hours in advance. It would usually be a few days in advance. And then what I also like to ask organizers to do for me, and some of them are really surprised by that, because, you know, in this online world, you get so many messages and sometimes you have a feeling that your inbox of your Gmail of whatever or, or whatever you're using for your messaging could actually organize your day because sometimes it's the constant flow of uh, messages that somehow makes you react to them and you feel like, okay, I really have to reply right now. But even though it is a fact and, 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 I'm, and, and I'm not a fan of, of that phenomenon, I still ask the organizers to have me in the loop. And so sometimes I suggest that they uh, forward the messages or, or they, they, they put me in this CC section of pretty much every kind of uh, uh, arrangement they make with the speakers or maybe the technical crew. Sometimes it's just that I scroll through the, through those and I don't really read them very closely, but I would usually have this ability to find something that's really important and sometimes have some suggestions relating to maybe uh, how the videos could be presented, how many uh, minutes should uh, one presentation take, or sometimes some arrangements with the speakers. Many times I also ask the organizers that they let me contact the speakers uh, the uh, the the stars of the event because sometimes I would be able to to approach them and and ask them how they'd like to be introduced but also maybe what topics should be uh, should we be mentioning and so uh, having me in that uh, online email loop helps uh, a lot uh, then I also do a lot of research that I've al already mentioned and that entails all the social media platforms. I like to arrive on the spot uh, much in advance. And then uh, last thing that I do is I always book hotels that are super close to uh, the venue. And these days it's the studios. I don't know what the case is in the UK, but in Poland, many times the organizers have their studios somewhere in the suburbs because that's, I guess, where it's cheaper to have huge uh, buildings uh, and huge studios built. And so uh, I would find the, the, the kind of uh, sketchy hotels, but just for the sake of being very close to where I need to be on the next day. I just try to get rid of all the potential uh, threats uh, to uh, my participation in the event. 
I, I like the idea of just being around the corner so that you're not relying on uh, worrying about traffic or or whatever else because you know that can really that can really build anxiety and that can really cause you an issue when you're about to go onto a stage. Yeah. So yeah. I, I love the idea of taking that of removing that that potential anxiety, uh, and uh, you know I think that can that can it can have a huge impact on your day if something goes wrong. Uh, just on the way the, the way in for sure um, and i'm also a big fan of rehearsals sometimes uh some of my uh, competitors so to say uh make their price different uh, depending on the uh, on whether there is going to be a rehearsal or not and obviously they want uh, to have the price higher if there is a rehearsal or a few of them and my policy is that it never really uh, would shape the price because I want to somehow uh, en enhance or maybe uh, try to attract people into making rehearsals because I feel like those are the moments when we can really check uh, all the potential threats. It's our SWOT analysis, you know, uh, that we can do. And and so I, I suggest that we organize them. It doesn't it doesn't really change the price. And many times I suggest that we do it one day in advance, especially if the event starts early in the morning. I feel like uh, gathering there a day before helps a lot, uh, not just for the organizers, but to be honest, for me myself uh, too, because I feel much more relaxed uh, having known all the details, which camera to look at. Uh, which uh, connection with which a speaker can be at risk or, or maybe just all the different video feeds that we will put into uh, the online transmission. Uh, those are the things that matter to me. And that's why rehearsals are really necessary. Well, we, I'm interested in how you moved from uh, TV and radio because, you know, a lot of what you're doing was journalism. You've now moved... You, uh, do you miss that? Are you still are you still doing some of that? I know that you're you're still um, still helping students. You're a guest lecturer at SWPS University. Um, I'm true. guessing Very that good research. Be, I'm, I'm guessing you'll be bringing in some of your uh, journalist skills there. Um, but what is it about live events that that you really enjoy, and more so than the journalism? What happened is there was this moment when I've been on TV for five or six years and I figured that I, I, I wanted to find some new challenges. Uh, the realities of television would be that many times I would have very little influence over the topics that we covered. And many times uh, those would depend on our sponsorship. And so mm -hmm. I would end up talking about some companies, products that I did not necessarily find interesting, like let's say medical insurance, for example, for the elderly, which obviously it's important, but to have four shows in a row, just talk about uh, the, the insurance for the elderly, that, that would, would not be as, as uh, uh, developing for myself. Uh, I would not really feel that that i'm still getting out of my comfort zone and so to do just that to go out of my comfort zone 
I, I started uh, participating in uh, some uh, events and, and how that happened is actually natural. People would see me on TV or hear me on radio. Many times uh, my, my good command on, of English would help a lot because they wanted to have their bilingual host. Sometimes they also wanted me to host events in German. And so what, what that led to is a, a wider recognition of uh, me in uh, the events world. And then I just made a few choices. I made a choice not to be the, the host of some events just as picnics or some events that are just sports tournaments. I did not want to be an MC uh, that, that makes any type of events. I, I wanted to specialize. And so conferences is where, where my interest is because I find them most challenging. I find them uh, in, uh, I find them to be very, uh, very demanding and I need to, uh, to prepare a lot. So today I'd say I feel um, quite journalistic in that I sometimes host a conference that has to do with uh, ecology, with hydrology or uh, the circular economy which I, I personally believe in, and I'm very interested in, in what we can do for the planet. But then uh, I'm also a huge fan of technology, which can clearly be seen in this very episode uh, with Johnny Ross. And then uh, there are some topics just like marketing that also interest me. And so I tried to, uh, to learn about these things. And interestingly, the, the, mo the more you learn, the more you uh, read about something, the more interesting it becomes to you. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, so to say, that if if an event planner uh, has a conference on a topic that seems very uh, specialized, very very unique, and very narrow in its in its topic, then I try to come closer and closer, and then other people who are the audience of that event would appreciate that. And, and then they might call me as well for their event. And so sometimes there would be this snowball effect uh, when, when it comes to, to the work I do, Johnny. What, um, what, if it, what, oh, <laughs> can't speak. That's fine. <laughs> the question, the question. The, the question that I've got is, are there any particular types of conferences that you're that you'd really be eager to work at? I th what I'm seeing is that the that you do a lot of conferences that are quite complex. They might be over a couple of days. They might have you know fifty plus speakers, maybe even more. Um, is there a is is that something? Other particular types. You know, if people are listening right now and perhaps they're looking at um, putting a conference on, is there a sort of sweet spot of type of conference, or is it sort of you know? I've we've heard on the content. You've you've said around the content and you know the the interest uh, on the content side of things. Is there a particular style of conference that fits you very well as well? I'd say uh, the ones I mentioned. So that's marketing, uh, social media that's the new technologies and how uh, we can really cover the complexities of technology, how it also uh, leads to some legal issues. And that's because I studied, uh, I graduated in law here in Poland and I also studied in, in the US. And so law is very uh, close to me. And then I also mentioned- 
Do I get yeah. to show off my my small amount of research as well? So it was North Carolina in the US, and it yeah, was the University of State Ant- University, and it was the University of Antwerp in Belgium. Yeah, very well. I've been to, uh, I've, been to I've been to Belgium. I love Belgium. You do? Well, what what do you love about Belgium? Well, the chocolate's good. The beer's good, uh, but the sights are very. It's I I I just I just liked the whole sort of feeling and and the uh the people uh i thought it was i really had a lovely time in belgium very small country and yeah. with three languages it works crazy to go from antwerp to brussels when you get on the train they speak to you in dutch but then uh, as soon as you leave they they say uh in french and there's <laughs> more of that if you go to the cinema uh which is uh called bioskop in 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 their language in in dutch which i find interesting because bio is life and scope is to look so it's like a microscope for life that's their word for cinema and i like that nice but it's also it's also incredible to see their cinema screen being covered with subtitles for like 50 percent of the screen (laughs) because they have three languages there you know yeah so there's not I've much never, left of the actual screen. I've never seen multiple languages on subtitles. I, I I'm running out of time. I totally interrupted you. Um, uh, okay. In terms of in terms of um, uh, conferences that that you'd be interested in, I was actually I was actually thinking, you know, less of the content, more of more of the style of the conference. So, you know, is it is there a particular uh, style or or you know, um, I've seen you in some amazing locations as well. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess you can't wait for the real life face to face conferences again. I love that. I love that. But I I've got to say that I'm a fan of hybrid as well, because what that really gives you is we have the the audience in their room, but we also have it in in front of the screen, which is so great because it combines the the best of the two worlds. And and I'm I'm really convinced that it will stay because I feel like virtual events have shown us some of the great features that should be here with us once the pandemic is over, uh, which we so much hope for. Uh, But then some of these solutions, some of these things, features have been so, so important. Sometimes you would be able to have this very renowned speaker from the other part of the globe and just be here for the 30 minutes of your conference, deliver an astonishing speech and not have to travel for two days and then have uh, the time time zone change. And so that, that really helps. And what I really love about virtual events and would also like to have in live events once they're back, and it actually also is a a reply to your question, is the the real feel of interaction with our audience. I really look for that. I really fish for that because I believe that if we have this truly balanced, equal kind of situation where we communicate in both ways, then this is really what's so important and what's really the deal breaker of a great conference. So if you ask me if it if it really has to do with the content, I'd say not as much as it should do with the, the approach of the organizers. If the event planners want to have some genuine connection and they're not afraid to take some risks and to give just one 
you know, some people are afraid that your your viewership with with if you let them have some comments, they will come up with some derogatory things or maybe with with some something that's not uh, welcome. But then if you have this authentic connection, I believe 99% of people will be very open and, and very positive. And so they will far outreach any negative feelings. But then the advantage of having real human-to-human uh, -human connection, regardless of the distance of all the cables that are between us, I think that's what really changes uh, the, the world of events because it's a paradox. But now, Johnny, that I host virtual events, I feel much more connected to the audience than I used to in the live events world because most of the time people would be just sitting quietly and, and not wanting to, uh, to interfere because it would be considered rude. But now that you have the chat box, and sometimes you can actually incorporate uh, people with their live video using their cameras. Wow, that's 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 a change because so many so many people can discuss the same thing at the same time. You have all these polls. You can have questions to them. I think that's a breakthrough, and I hope that it stays. Yeah, I I, I can see the difference uh, of. Uh, how an engaging conference could be in a in a hybrid form, and and I, and what I'm hearing from you is who you're interested in working with is forward thinking event organisers, uh, and sure. I think that's a that's a big difference. And I'm confident uh, that Maché Counts can do an amazing job uh, at your conference. So if you're interested in speaking to him, I've put your website uh, up on the screen there. Um, so for Thank people you, listening, uh, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, but uh, but that's MacheCounts.com. Where else should we look online? Where do you typically hang out online if we were looking to speak to you or uh, or find out a bit more? I, I just have this one piece of advice for somebody who's just listening and they don't really know how to write Machikaus, my first and last name, which is half Polish, half German. I'd say what you can do is you go on YouTube and, and you look for uh, a private tour of La Quinta Resort. And, and it may sound crazy, but I actually, on my honeymoon, I went to California and actually I had a two months tour of the US and I wanted to show my wife around where I used to study. And, and so we went to uh, North Carolina as well. But California, with their small town of La Quinta, which is really well known for their golf clubs and, and how huge they are and how beautiful it is there. It actually is a very uh, warm place, uh, but also with some wonderful nature. I feel like La Quinta is this prestigious resort that I had uh, opportunity uh, to show people around and I did that with the resort manager and so you can just go to YouTube and find this La Quinta private tour and I feel like maybe that is something that you will be able to enjoy and so I've done a lot of really nice videos and so I'd say YouTube is the second opportunity or the second platform Johnny brilliant so if we can't spell your name we'll search for you on YouTube La Quinta to, yeah. to Doing, doing private tours brilliant i love it <laughs> uh, i uh, i could chat for so much more uh this has really been fantastic thank you so Same much here. 
Um, I've you, really John. enjoyed our conversation, uh, and I and I really hope that we get to see each other at a future event in the you know in the near future as well. Uh, a hybrid event, so that we can finally actually shake hands. That would be Absolutely. nice. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Please do subscribe if you'd like more of this. And please do head over to uh, Manchow's website uh, if you'd like to uh, find out more. Uh, take care. Lovely speaking to you. See you soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Johnny Ross Audio Experience. Thanks so much for joining me. If you want to continue the conversation, head over to my website, fleet.marketing, or find me on LinkedIn. That's all for today. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, tag me in your social media posts, and please leave me a review on iTunes. It will make a huge difference for me. I will see you soon.